for listening to the Folk Podcast. If you would like to become more involved with the Wisdom of Odin community, please think about donating to Patreon. At the lowest tier, you gain access to our community Discord. Uh, the next tier, you gain access to live streams. And of course, at the final tier, you gain early access videos, as well as your name in the end credits for all Wisdom of Odin videos. Thank you so much for watching, and thank you so much for whatever support you're able to provide. Hello, my name is Jacob, and I'm an Orse Pagan, and welcome to episode 39 of the Folk Podcast. I'm so happy to be back. Thank you for dealing with us as I took a break. Mostly me. I'm sure the guys would have recorded without me, but I have the keys to the kingdom, so to speak, and I actually edit the videos. But it is good to be back. Um, today, we do want to talk about a topic we actually were uh, wanting to talk about right before we left, but we couldn't quite get to it, and that is actually talking about Odin and a full episode. Now, we have had episodes in the past where we brought in guests where we talk about Odin, and we kind of talk about Odin experiences, but we've never devoted an entire episode really to just Odin. Um, so that's something we really want to do today, considering the fact that Caleb and I are pretty devout Odin followers ourselves, and kind of have followed two separate paths of that. So I figure me and him can talk about that. Um, and then Ian, you've been having more experiences lately. Sure, I don't quite know where you are with the Odin thing. I know you've been kind of dabbling a little bit more lately, if I understand correctly. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm starting to get more involved with Odin, and he's starting to come around more because he wants me to do more, and I'm just fighting him on that. Right. No, that's usually, I feel like that's a very common thing is that you fight Odin on the things you do and do not want to do. Um, <laughs> so definitely, I think one of the things I really want to make sure we, we hit the nail on the head with is what Odin is as far as a deity, at least from our personal experiences. There's many different aspects you can, you know, associate with him. He has many different layers. And I think you can see that through many of the stories within the Poetic Edda. He tends to take on a different role in each one, whether it's a father figure, a warrior figure, a leader, or a wanderer, or a wizard. There's many different aspects you can actually adhere toward, adhere towards. Um, just like I said, uh, you know, Caleb Baker actually does um, follow a kind of different path than I do personally with Odin, so we both kind of explored two different things. Um, so I don't know who really wants to take it off. I mean, Baker, do you want to go ahead and say something about kind of your path with Odin recently? I, I haven't really, I don't think we need to have actually talked about it in a while. Uh, yeah, I can. It's, um, I don't know. I've been trying to figure out exactly how to, how to continue down it because the path that I go down is more of the, uh, more of the warrior side of it. Um, you know, the ancient, uh, looking at it from like the ancient war god. Um, and there's not as much information about it. So I've been, I've kind of been going through like a bit of a dry spell on my relationship with Odin. So I've been trying to focus on other gods. Like recently I've been with uh, Freyr, but that's, you know, topic for a different uh, video or not video recording. Different day. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I'm working, I'm trying to work on it. Um, sorry, kind of scrambled right now because I had to run downstairs. So take I'm a breath in. Yeah. Stop having a family. <laughs> for real. <laughs> Uh, well, it's kind of interesting because you say you're going through a bit of a dry spell, and honestly, I was I was going to say some kind of the same. So it's interesting that the you know the more devout Odin followers are kind of taking a step back, whereas Ian is taking more of a step forward and sure it as well. So an interesting shift. And I've heard this uh, talking to multiple people about Odin and Odin worship. Is it seems like you go through these waves where all of a sudden you're really devoted to him, you're really you know uh, focused on learning more, uh, you know, diving deeper into the runes or wandering or being a leader or you know really just exploring what it is to you know have wisdom and even the the problems with madness but i do think all aspects of odin have a burnout side 
um, or have a side that can, you know, cause some kind of anguish. Like if you go down the wisdom path, you're going to have more madness. You know, the more wisdom and knowledge you gain, it kind of messes with your head and you really need to take a step back and digest that. Um, same thing with the warrior path. I mean, that warrior path, I mean, as a baker you have found is pretty intense. I mean, you know, and, it, and again, it's been really interesting and it feels like a lifetime since like the fall gathering and the beast of Odin when we first started talking about that. Um, so I don't know, you know, is there anything more you can like kind of, you know, pick your brain about as far as like the dark side of the warrior path? Uh, yeah. And, and like I said, I'm still trying, I'm still trying to figure all that out because there's not, there's not information on it. So I'm kind of just, I'm just going, I'm like prodding through the dark, trying to find, find my way through it. It's going by instinct, but it's, um, I'm doing a lot better with it now than I was, um, directly after the fall gathering because there was some very difficult times as far as um being in large groups like around other people couldn't handle that for very long i was like i was always searching for where potential um potential threats and things like that could come from and especially if my child was around it was 10 times worse but now i'm in i'm in a lot better spot with it and i'm just trying to just trying to keep building that up but it, it it can go dark very, very quickly. Um, I'm trying to think of trying to think of better ways to explain it without this sounding crazy. <laughs> well, it, I mean, maybe we should close it here right much. now. If you don't think, if you don't want us to hear go down the crazy route a little bit, maybe don't follow Odin because I mean, I feel like yeah, I mean, maybe there is a casual Odin this where it's like, oh yeah, Mary's. I feel like the only person I've ever met that's like casual about her Odin worship but otherwise I feel like mm -hmm. it is usually pretty intense experience because the revelations you have are fairly intense um and so sometimes that can have a very negative effect which usually masks itself in a you know in a deeper positive way in the end yeah I know that Reese I know that until recently most of my stuff had felt very much on, on the madness end of the spectrum and I don't know if that's I don't know if that's a, a more of a common thing for the warrior side than the wisdom side just because you know I don't know anybody else that follows it like I do. So I don't have anything to compare it to other than the, the wisdom side. So I think I have a really good transition here to bring Ian to the conversation. So something I've been working with, and maybe this is more of a fantasy idea, but it's definitely something that I feel like really works with Odin is different aspects of him when it comes to his animals. Because the three main animals that are really tied to him are um, wolves, bears, and ravens. And so it feels like there's three different paths to Odin. There's the raven path, the wolf path, and the bear path. And I feel like Caleb Baker, I feel like you've taken the bear path. I feel like I've taken the raven path. And I feel like Ian's starting to go down the wolf path. So Ian, me saying that, do you think I, you understand what I mean when I say that? I, I think I do. I think I kind of get what you're saying. Because uh, like you're saying, uh, with, with Baker doing the bear, that's definitely more of the warrior aspect side of it. And then, I mean, bears are very common, you know, uh, commonly associated with the berserk here and things like that. Um, and then with the raven side, obviously, uh, Hugh and Munin were the ones that were constantly telling things so and giving him that information as they were flying around and stuff like that. So there's your wisdom side. And yeah, as far as the wolf, wolf do wolves tend to wander quite frequently. And I have been doing a lot of different like physical wanderings quite a bit lately. Um, I'm about to be doing a huge one here whenever I actually step away from the military, I'm gonna be moving, get, packing up everything and moving to a whole other state again and essentially starting completely over. Um, Ooh, speaking of wolves. And it, yeah, that's kind of, <laughs> that's um, But yeah, as uh, it, it's interesting that we started doing this or that we're doing this topic because not, I think like two or three nights ago, 
I actually had a, a visitation in my dreams by Odin. It was very interesting that that's what we're deciding to do right now today. Because yeah, it, he's he's making himself a little bit more known to me uh, over the past, I'd say over probably the past month, maybe month and a half. It's been a little bit more and more, but it, it hasn't been anything too intense. It's not too like too madness orientated. It's very neutral ground of kind of like you're you're looking for your place. So you're gonna have to do all this wandering before you actually find like where you're meant to be is kind of what I've been getting from him. But I definitely, I definitely, I think I'm getting what you're picking or what you're putting down with the the wolf aspect of it, primarily being where like that path that I'm following. Yeah, I never thought I never thought of it like that before as being you know three different paths to it with the three different animals. I'd always seen like the the wandering is more like I've always seen it kind of like a mix between you know like the warrior side and the the and the wisdom side, especially the wisdom because you know when you think Odin and wisdom, you think like Gandalf and Lord of the Rings, you know the wizard wandering around everywhere. UFO backwards. <laughs> yeah. So I've actually been reading a really good book um, and I would recommend it. And I plan on maybe, I don't plan on doing a video, maybe doing a post. Um, it's a semi-historical fiction that sometimes dabbles in the fantasy. It's called the Norse Queen. Um, and it has the Norse Queen, um, the Raider, the Falcon Queen, and then the Raider Bride is the three book series that is out right now. Um, and it's a pretty well-researched book that takes place during the Viking Age, obviously. Um, and it follows a woman whose name is, um, oh gosh, Asa is her name or Osa. And she is practicing Sather and learns Sather magic while also like being a princess and eventually becoming a queen and like leading, uh, you know, a village basically. Um, and so one of the su subplots for one of the characters is that they actually learn how to become a berserker. And uh, the, the book does a really good job of taking what we do know from historical texts. Um, and most of our information, I think, from berserkers comes from Egil Saga. If I'm not mistaken, there is, it's kind of scattered throughout, but Egil Saga does mention like uh, wolf warriors, shapeshifters, and um, berserkers as far as like a, a warrior force in Viking armies. Um, and so one of the things that I thought was really cool, now don't try this at home kids, <laughs> but uh, the, the thing that the, the book did for this character, he basically found this wanderer in the woods that was like a, a lone wanderer, you know, old man berserker that used to be a warrior. And he's like, teach me the ways of being a berserker. And he's like, okay, cool. And he hangs him from a tree, like from his chest. And he's like, I'll be back eventually. And leaves him there for nine days and nine nights. And he also like stabs him in the side a little bit. So he like bleeds out and he's starving and dehydrated. And so he has like a bunch of visions while he's hanging from the tree. And eventually the old guy comes back and cuts him down, wakes him up and he's just like, ah, oh, good, you actually survived, you know? <laughs> and so it's like, then you can begin your training. It's like, that's hardcore, but that's definitely bear path kind of stuff. And again, kids don't try this at home, but a minor version of that is when Baker, you did your nine day fast. Literally, I was getting ready to say like, I did not know anything. I don't think I've ever read Eagle Saga and I'm gonna have to now, um, but yeah, literally, um, I, I went through this big trial with Odin and what it ended up leading me like my way out of it was doing the nine day fast. And I lost like 25 pounds over the course of those nine days. And the only thing like I couldn't, you know, obviously we as humans, we can't do like Odin did. We can't go nine days without water because we'll die, you know? So I was, I, I let myself drink water. I let myself have a cup of coffee in the morning and a cup of green tea in the evening. No sugar, no milk, no nothing like that. And it was rough, especially like the last, once I hit like the four or five day mark, it was excruciating. 
but I made it through and then it was just, it was like this door was opened that I could access so much more. It was crazy. I don't recommend doing it unless you like know you don't have any like health problems or anything like that. Because if you had like blood sugar issues, you might die. So check with your doctor. Don't do nothing crazy. <laughs> There's our PSA. So now, Shirt, I want to pull you into this conversation because again, you're beginning to dabble. So what did it, how is it for you as you begin these kind of conversations and these ideas of working with um, the one-eyed wanderer? For me, it's more the uh, madness aspect of it because the spring I devoted nothing uh, to no one but Dionysus. That's the only deity I've been working with since the spring. And if you don't know anything about this Greek God, I mean, he's one of, he's a many multifaceted God, but his main thing is like uh, madness and more of a spiritual madness where Odin is a wisdom madness. And so it's, as I begin to understand more of the spiritual madness and things, and I'm getting more knowledge then Odin comes and he's like, okay, well, now that you've got the knowledge for the spiritual stuff, I need you to do this or, you know, just going to start working and pushing you toward this and it's just me being stubborn because now i hear it's summertime and thor's really prevalent here and i'm going to want work with thor because you know he's my patron and it's an inner clash between my sp spirituality so have you had any like um or have you done any rituals or had any moments or given any offerings with odin in the last few months no um i haven't really given him any offerings or rituals with him but he uh, fervently I feel his presence and he's invaded my dreams and made me remember them because for those of you that don't know I most of the time I have a hard time remembering my dreams but I remember the old man in my dreams every time I wake up and what he told me to do so there's that I do find that uh, a lot of times when I just hear stories from the community, uh, you know, <laughs> again, I receive hundreds of messages every week. And a lot of the times stories of Odin usually involve him being in dreams. Now, the worst messages I get, and it's the people that I'm like, maybe you shouldn't follow Odin, are when they're like, I saw a one-eyed man on the edge of my bed. He had a gray beard and a long brim hat. Do you think it was Odin? I'm like, if you need me to tell you that's Odin, then you should probably just like just move on <laughs> i mean like i mean i don't know if they're just seeking that validation i think we've kind of talked it before i think maybe they're just seeking the wisdom of odin to say oh, of course that was odin. They're like oh of course and it's one of those things where it's like you really got to trust your experiences and with odin i feel like you're going to go through so many trials and if you have a dream where a one-eyed man sits at the edge of your bed and tells you to do something maybe you should just do it maybe you shouldn't be like probably <laughs> and like step one is recognizing the fact when you have something like that happen now so obviously you can have a fantastical dream and you know i've heard stories like that before as well but just be honest with yourself when you have these experiences um a lot of time odin appears in a very dramatic way and sometimes we turn the you know turn the hot you know the the face the other way and say oh that wasn't really an experience and sometimes we completely look past it so um you know i feel like the, the step with odin i mean you can always start an experience with any deity by sitting down and giving an offering and starting that conversation or devoting yourself to a, a life track like hey odin i'm going to devote myself to learning the runes and you start going down that path and you might have an odin experience but i find with odin a lot of the times he's the one to make that first contact at least in my experience uh, you know talking with others it seems like that's something that's very common is all of a sudden you're just going you're just going about your day having a good time like maybe not even thinking about paganism all of a sudden odin knocks on the door and you're like oh hello okay 
And it is a very euphoric thing. And I know that's something that um, like Diana Paxson, which I honestly haven't read the book, but something that's always caught my eye in the title of that book is like Madness, Ecstasy and Wisdom or something like that. And the ecstasy I think is a very big component of Odin as well is that he does have a very euphoric value when it comes to worshiping him. And I think that once again, that's something that really can lead to the madness. Um, and Ian is running to go get that book, I think. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, I, I would definitely agree. Like I said, the very first time I gave offerings to Odin for me was at the fall gathering. Um, and I think that'll be when I will do more work with Odin is toward the fall. Because eventually I'm going to cave because it's Odin. I mean, you're going to do what Odin wants you to do eventually. Oh, yeah. Now, I've always been a little bit envious of people being able to like actually like seeing the gods and things like that in their dreams because I've never I've never had that happen. I've had a couple instances where I've seen some things like I've seen things like up in the clouds and I've seen some questionable things in the woods and things like that. Um, like I've most notably, like the only time I've ever felt like I've seen something that Odin wanted me to actually like see like either an aspect of him or something he wanted me to think of uh, as an aspect of him was like up at the um, what was it? The Charming of the Plow, the, the first gathering they did in Wisconsin. I was preparing for that Odin's bloke, kneeling by this fro uh, frozen pond. And I look out and I just see, I see for like a split second, this fair, like, I don't want to say huge, but it was a fairly large, like hooded figure that just moved like about three foot behind this tree. And then after that, just like, it just disappeared. Now, I don't know exactly what that was, but it just made me think of Odin as I, like, where I said I was preparing for that. And it was actually probably the first time in a few months I was actually trying to bring the um, that deeper warrior part of myself out because I had I hadn't let myself do that in a while. I think you you've had some uh, instances like that, haven't you, Jacob? Like out in the woods and things like that, seeing um, uh, cloaked figures. Yeah. Oh, yeah. For sure. I mean, it, it's definitely. Uh, I think one part cloaked figure. You know, you feel like you see it in the corner of your vision. Um, and other times you just feel like you're being watched. And I, I've definitely had those experiences where I've been in the kind of the dark woods. And again, anything can happen in the dark woods, but it's just like, you look into the woods and you're just like, you just feel it. You feel that one eye. And maybe that's the thing that, you know, I always try to think about the gods um, in relation to the ancestors and how they experienced them. How, what made them write down these stories? What gave them these stories? Was it an actual God they witnessed or is it just experiences they had that they recorded down? And I think the one eye is a very important aspect. I've heard some people refer to it as the, actual third eye i'm not really big into the third eye stuff but i mean it's an interesting concept is it is the third eye itself removed from the person that is watching you and that's why it's one eye and so maybe that's just something like you know people in 200 bc were running around um you know in the woods and also they stopped because they felt one eye looking at them and then they went back to a village and said i felt like i had one eye looking at me and they're like oh yeah your grandfather had that too you know and then they started putting names to it that's how I like to look at the, the faith in general is, you know, you know, thinking about, you know, the chicken or the egg, what came first, an actual deity or an experience that became a deity. So um, that's definitely how I like to view the experiences we have now with Odin, especially with the one eye. I like to just kind of listening to Jacob and, and Baker kind of talking about yours as experiences as far as like the warrior path and the more of the like the, the, the seeking of wisdom kind of path that Odin presents. I feel like those two are, are relatively similar in the sense that they are, I tend to be a little bit more, not necessarily like darker, but a little bit more of the like the mysterious, a little bit more on the intense side. Whereas like the stuff that I've experienced with them, like yes, I've had some very intense uh, encounters with Odin in the past that were very much 
wisdom knowledge seeking um situations but more recently like the the experience i had just a few nights ago was a, a very uh very relaxed not necessarily like calm but it, it wasn't it was very you know i'm trying to think like the best way to describe it kind of just more of a uh the more you yeah, euphoric like this is a good experience it's a very like almost like, like, almost, like, a, like right. almost like a body high kind of yeah, yeah yeah in a way it was very much like a hey you know you this is some stuff that you're going to be doing it's going to be um you know you, you you have this stuff that you need to figure out but the process and the journey that you're going to take while figuring this stuff out is going to be a whole other adventure in itself you know what I mean? like it's, I don't know, it's, it's kind of it's weird to explain without going, you know, spending 15 minutes going into the entire dream, but I don't know, I feel like it, the, the warrior and the strictly wisdom-seeking sides are more similar and a little bit more of the shadowy, you know, uh, madness-orientated, whereas the wanderer is more of like uh, just, not necessarily just enjoy the ride, but just go where the wind takes you kind of a thing and take in what you experience from that journey right like he's not going to necessarily you know you go on a journey he's not going to stop there be at the rest stop and be like so how's the journey going he's going to let you go on the journey and you're going to experience it and exactly. then you might have something at the very end a revelation but i feel like by the time you get to that revelation you're like i get it i get why odin sent me here um, yes. Much like, um, and like my summon by the Allfather video. Again, if you haven't checked out these videos, they're honestly the most prolific Odin experiences I've had. I've caught them both on camera. I've had two, I have technically three of them, um, two of them more, uh, more intense and I think more enjoyable to watch. Um, the third one being the one that made me actually decide to become a full-time YouTuber, even though I wasn't making enough money at the time to actually do it. And I put my faith in the gods and so far it's worked out. But um, the first one really was just a, I was going to go give a simple offering at a park and, you know, near my house and nice and safe and easy. And as soon as I went to the store, I was like, no. And I saw a like in my mind was solidified the image of a singular tree. And I knew where the tree was and it was about an hour and a half drive away and it was snowing. And I was like, I gotta do it. So I went and bought a really nice bottle of bourbon. I drove an hour and a half. And then the moment I got to the place to park, not even before I get to the tree. To me, the tree was the destination. And when I parked, as soon as I got out of the car were those two hikers and they're like, hey, we're completely lost. Can you help us? And I was like, you tricky son of a bitch. Like, <laughs> and then I ended up being these people's guides through the, you know, the park in the snow. It was the only time it snowed last year or the year before. I can't remember now. I've been doing this so long. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was the only snow of the year. It would all melted by the time we'd left. I mean, I've never seen these people again, but now they have a story of this like red bearded guy that has like led them through the woods and like taught them a little bit of about paganism. So like, yeah, that was a very obvious lesson and it was great. So, you know, just th those wanderings. And again, it's not like Odin was there. Honestly, the offering, I didn't feel anything. It was really just a capstone to the experience. The experience and the reason I was there was guiding those hikers. That's what Odin taught me in that experience. Yeah, that's that's definitely how I feel a lot of the wandering aspect is. It's it's he he sets you on that path. He sets you on this wandering. He said he says, "Hey, you know, he jumps in. I got something that you need to figure out. I'm not going to tell you exactly what it is. I'm just going to give you, you know, say a good Gandalf on him, just give him a little nudge out the door. You know, just give him a little nudge out the door. <laughs> exactly. Like that that right there is a good way of looking at it with the wandering aspect. Is he gives you that nudge out the door and 
you know, what you learn and experience throughout that journey and throughout that wandering is not necessarily something that he intended for you to learn, but it was something that you just happened to learn because of him giving you that nudge out the door. I feel like it's a little bit more of an open-ended uh, learning experience compared to something that's a lot more specific with like the strictly wisdom or the strictly warrior aspect of it. Like to me, those are very, uh, you know, point accurate things that you are focusing on. Whereas the wandering is just taking everything around you at once and then take from that what you will. Oh, for sure. So one thing I want to pull the topic towards, um, because there's a few points I want to definitely make sure we hit within this podcast. Um, and I feel like sure you can add to this one as well, because I, I think you'll enjoy this subtopic is uh, something that is kind of, it kind of irks me and something I really want to kind of beat through the bush, take a machete and start hacking through it is this idea that Odin is the primary deity of the Norse pantheon because he is not. He is one of the deities and he tends to take a very leadership role, but he is not like the almighty God. He is not the one God. He's not the most important deity. He is just you know, a deity. I mean, even he didn't create humans alone. You know, even he did not slay Ymir alone. He did it with other deities. Now, we might not know much about Vili and Vey or whatever their names were and other translations, but he still didn't do it alone. And he doesn't run Asgard alone. He doesn't fight in Ragnarok alone. Um, you know, so I think it's very important for people going down this path, especially Norse paganism in general. And again, it's something we've always talked about is people are looking for that like, Christian equivalent and, um, you know, right away they're like, oh, the one God is of the Allfather. I mean, again, the Allfather is not actually a term from what we know of that was applied anytime before recent years. I think Snorri was the first one to actually apply the term Allfather, but I mean, really that's the only time we actually know of it as a term. And again, he was looking for the, the Christian equivalent. I mean, you had the, the, you know, the God, the Father, which was Odin. You had Mother Mary, which was Freya or Frigg. And then you had like the devil, which was Loki. I mean, literally he was applying those terms to people. Um, so yeah, would you guys have anything, uh, any thoughts on that of, of Odin being the, the God, the one God and stuff like that? Uh, definitely, especially because, you know, majority of people going into any kind of paganism, they're going to come from a Christian background and we are creatures of habit, no matter what anyone says. And we want to seek those uh, habits or things that are familiar to us. So when you hear Odin as the all-father, you're very tempted to like, okay, well, he's just like the God of gods. He's just this almighty being that can do anything. And it's, no, I mean, you can read the stories and tell. If he was a God of madness, he wouldn't, you know, be an almighty being because he knew so much knowledge and tried to prevent Ragnarok that it drove him mad and insane because he didn't have that power to change his fate. So <clears throat> when you're looking at, any pantheon, even the Christian pantheon. I've been doing a lot of research uh, going back to the Canaanite pantheon and how Moses changed all that. So like the, even in Christianity itself, it was never meant to be a monotheist religion. But that's for a story for another day because we're talking about Odin. So, you know, don't feel like you have to work with Odin. He's just one of those deities who he's going to come to you when he's ready for you to. And that's what I found because even at the fall gathering in Kentucky, I went to, after giving my offerings to Odin and stuff like that, I didn't work with Odin until here recently, uh, almost coming up on a year after, you know, in a few months, it'll be a year since the Kentucky gathering. So 
just give Odin the time and he'll come to you whenever he's ready for you. Yeah, I think I definitely agree with the, the sense of, of just kind of finding that comfortable replacement when you're coming from something else. I mean, that's like sure said, like we are creatures of, of habit. And I feel like that is a very comfortable mindset to stay in of, of basically taking these deities and, you know, coming from a different religion and comparing the two and be like, oh, this is so-and-so, okay, or this is how I can process this information as far as like, this is how this being is, or this is their standing. I definitely agree in the fact that, yeah, Odin, I think a big issue with the fact that a lot of people think that Odin is, you know, the god of gods in the Norse pantheon is, a lot of it has to do, I feel like, with more of the modern day media aspect of it with you know marvel and other various things is that they they put him on that pedestal of being like the god of gods in the norse pantheon i mean i feel like it's happened to quite a few other pantheons as well with say like zeus i feel like it's a very similar idea with him where he's been deemed like the god of gods with the greek pantheon but uh but just but that's not necessarily the case like they rule their realms with others they are not like you said jacob not alone you know odin did not create humans alone he did not slay emir alone there is a multitude of things that if odin had not done it or not had assistance you know he certain things would not have happened or would not have been as successful or you know however that situation ended up could have been completely different if he had tried to uh stay or give the appearance of being that that god of gods and do it solo um so i feel like yeah a lot of the i feel like it's more of a a, a more recent aspect obviously like what you were saying was already kind of giving him that all-father name and everything more of the recent terms and stuff like that as being like the all-father i think has a huge effect on uh or impact on the way that people view him just because that's kind of he's become like that replacement. I'm gonna try not to, to reiterate the same points that have already been made, but Odin is Odin's not a god for everybody to follow. It's you really have to know what you're getting into uh, when it comes to him because you can bite off a lot more than you can handle. Um, my wife, I think I said it in one of the last couple episodes we did. I'm not I can't remember for sure right now, but she recently got into paganism. She's been working for Freya. And uh, I think it was, oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but she was asking me, I think it was either it was either yesterday or sometime earlier this week, uh, like a lot of questions about Odin. I was like, okay, I'll tell you these answers, but you don't need to follow him. You need to stay the hell away from him. He's like, that's not for you right now. <laughs> like, you don't need that. He's rough. He's mean. <laughs> He's not going to sit there and cuddle you. He's going to smack you and then tell you to go find it. <laughs> That's how Odin is. But um, the one thing I do want to, the only thing I do want to reiterate is the, is the fact that none of the gods that we have are all, like almighty or all powerful. Because if they were, why would they work together? They could just go and they could do anything on their own. There would be no, there would be no point of trying to bind the wolf Fenrir because He's going to consume Odin because Odin could just, and he's gone. That's not a. I mean, really, I think that's the most powerful thing and one of the most prolific things that makes Norse paganism so popular in this modern age and one of the 
the really the, the the most surviving of the pagan faiths, you know, when you look at all the pantheons, is the fact that the gods are so vulnerable. You know, mm. literally the first poem that you read in the Poetic Item when you buy it is the Volaspa. You read about the creation of everything and then the death of everything. And so right away, you are introduced to the fact that the gods are mortal. Like, yes, they can live a long time and we're given a reason for that. We're given, you know, Eden's apples is the reason they're able to do that. But without those, they would not survive. They would be just like us. And so I think that's what makes them so relatable and what makes Odin so relatable. Yes, he can be a father figure. Yes, he can be a leader and a general. But at the end of the day, he is still weak in some aspects. His fate is still to die. And I, I really think that's one of the most powerful parts about this faith. So with a nice pause here, we're going to change to a very happy topic as I tell Ian to look at Instagram because I totally uploaded a, a, a photo of his face super blown up uh, promoting this episode, which is why you should follow me at the Wisdom of Odin because, um, well, one, I'm back from vacation, so I'm full of really funny things. Like I posted things today like uh, Lord of the Rings and Always Sunny in Philadelphia memes. Ian, did you see it? Did you see it? Yes. What? It's, it's <laughs> so bad. You look, dude, you look hideous. I'm so sorry, but I, I had to do it. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. No, honestly, that's, I'm doing it. I feel great worthy. being back, guys. Oh, I love that's it. A, that's a meme-worthy face, honestly. Yeah, I'll try. Maybe I'll try to post it to a highlight. So if you watch this, uh, watch the podcast, please go to the highlight <laughs> later so you can see Ian's face captured in, uh, really in memory Oof. and time. You belong on the exam. You got you got done dirty, man. <laughs> you got done dirty. I know. I need to I need to be careful around this, man. <laughs> Dude, there's no being safe. Trust me. I edit my own videos. Half the time, my face looks just like deformed because I'll like pause it to like edit something. I'm like, oh, is that my face? Oh boy. <laughs> um, but to pull it back to Odin. So now that we're like kind of like into this episode, I think we're about halfway through. I feel comfortable saying this because that means you're a devoted listener because that means you've made it through the halfway mark. Um, and that means it, most likely it'll only be like a hundred or so people that make it this far before uh, tomorrow's video releases. So I'm in Germany, guys. And, I, and the reason I say that right now is because um, I, uh, Baker brought up a really good point that I kind of want to blend in. Um, which is like what I've kind of witnessed here in Germany so far, which is like the pagan elements that are all around us. And it's so weird. I'm like, why is Germany not just pagan? Like everything here is pagan. And it's just like, they just like, it, just do it. Um, so I really want to, I, I plan on exploring that in a future video, but um, I definitely want to bring it up here now. So if you're one of the people that listen to more than half of these episodes and you're doing it before the video releases tomorrow, congratulations, you're on a very special list of people that actually know I am living in Germany for the next three months. Um, I've kept it a pretty good secret. I've kind of mentioned it in Patreon live streams, um, but it's been something I've been working on for a long time now. It's obviously not easy to travel, um, but I am here. Um, I got here, uh, ha like basically I spent a week in Mexico and now I'm, I'm here in Germany and I will be for three months. Um, and we just got out of quarantine the other day because you have to do a week long quarantine. Um, so it's been a long process. It's part of the reasons we haven't made videos and stuff like that. But the reason I bring this up is we were walking around some of the old districts today and walking through a lot of like old churches and things like that. Um, and like, what, what exactly did I see? It was just like the saints, like the way they venerate the saints here is just like, it's like, those are just pagans. Like that's just, that's just a pagan God that you've turned into a saint. And it's so clear. Like, I mean, literally I'm looking at this, this like Sigurd, you know, Sigurd killing a dragon and on the front of a church, I'm like, you're just honoring Germanic stories on a church now and labeling with Jesus stuff. Like, <laughs> it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. 
what are you doing? And like, uh, uh, you know, I was being told that like there's figures on the outside of this church. It literally just had like heroes on the outside of this, this old church. And one, it was like, oh yeah, that's Thor. But they just changed his name. I'm like, what? Just be pagan, Germany. Just like go back and be pagan. Like it's so, like you just have to change some names. And then, I mean, you already have the beer in the halls and everything's called Hoff already. Just just be pagan already. Um, but I, again, I think that's, it's the, well, everything has a Christian equivalent. And I think that's one of the ways paganism was filtered through Christianity. But now we can take that back. We can look and see what was made Christian, like the all father thing, and then take that away and see what was there originally as well. It might be a little damaged and a little tattered. Um, but, you know, I really do you think that- You can think Catholicism, Jacob. What? I said, you could take Catholicism. Catholicism is just pagan light. Uh, literally, whenever it, the Roman emperor just like became a Christian, well, what is that? Uh, well, I don't know. We'll just worship the same way. We'll just change the name of the gods. Boom. Yeah, right. Oh, it's wild. Well, uh, the book I mentioned, the Norse Queen, again, I'm on the third book, uh, and they go to Ireland in this book. And again, the thing I really like about the book is the, the conversations are very natural. Like they have an Irish guy telling them about um, hero stories and obviously Irish uh, Irish people were Catholic at this time um, he was like telling them stories of like one of the hero like the hero sagas of Ireland and they're like wow that sounds a lot like you know so and so and like the dragon slayer and he was like oh they really do sound really similar and it's like oh gosh you guys are all pagan just like be pagan <laughs> um, but the one last thing I do want to kind of roll into this Odin topic well I do have a couple more things but I know we're uh, getting a little tight on time on this episode but um, I do want to talk about the runes because it is something that people will think about when they see this episode, they want to hear about the runes. Um, so I guess, Baker, I'm going to toss it to you because I've been talking too much. Have, uh, how are your rune studies going? I know it's been something you've been dabbling in, but you know, I don't really know, I don't really know where you're at with the runes. So got anything to say about those? Uh, yeah, and I don't think I, I've not spoken to you about it in a while. I've been mean, honestly, the way that it's kind of worked out for me is I've not been someone's like actively studying them i've just been i've just been you know following my path and it seems like it's like every other like every month or every other month there's there's a rune that really comes up and that's like the rune to like that's the one that everything is going to be revolved around during this month i'm going like by the end of it or by the end of the, the month after that i'm going to know like the like exactly what this rune means and i'm probably uh i don't know i'd probably say i've got like probably eight that I've had to go through like little lessons and figure out just in like my, just in my, my regular practice and stuff that has forced me to learn. Um, I really been, I hadn't tried to focus so much in on like, like actively studying, like, a, like I said, but it's been working out. It's been working out just with the, the regular practice for me. Um, and I do feel, I do feel a lot more connected with them where I did make my own set uh, with my hands and, I didn't hit any blood on him yet, but I'm sure that's going to happen at some point. <laughs> and what about you? Any ex uh, rune experiences? Um, I mean, for me, the primary two that I've been kind of uh, focusing on and working with uh, for the past couple of months is um, would be Dagas and uh, Uruz. They've been the two primary ones that have been repetitively coming up in various things. But um, recently, algae's has been uh, making its making itself its its appearance and constantly kind of coming back in like little flashes in my head and stuff like that. Uh, so 
for me, it's, it's something very similar to Baker. It's I go about my normal practice, you know, day to day stuff, and depending on what runes constantly, you know, make their appearance or or uh, you know are in visions or dreams or whatever, I just constantly see them around. That's when I'll start to pick them up, and I'll be like, okay, this this rune or these runes, however many come to me at once, uh, are clearly trying to tell me something. So I will start to do that, uh, you know, deeper like connecting and, and research into the into those runes and kind of see what exactly is happening, what's going to happen, or what I need to do um, in the future or change or whatever. So it's it's something very similar to Baker. It's more of a I go about my day to day and as they come to me, the more they come to me, then I'll start to really dive deep into those specific runes. So I've tried to do the whole learn all the runes at once thing. That's just, it's just not, it's not, it's not doable. You know, I, I it's so much information. And I, I feel like if you try to do something like that, it, you don't get the, the full meaning and the full like lessons that the runes can teach you if you try to learn all of them at once. I just think you have to take them as they come to you and really focus on those that one or two or three that may be coming to you regularly. Sure, do you know what's coming around to you? Have you had any rune experiences? I really don't know, honestly. I was I'm kind of curious. No, I don't. Not to me. No, I'm. I take the Thor approach when it comes to like runes and magic. Like I don't mind using it, but I go to other people who know how. Yeah, that's fair. So, um, I de you know, we definitely, Ian, you were touching on it there a little bit, like, you know, trying to learn the entire rune alphabet. I mean, I think there's something to be said about knowing, like, if you just see a Fehu, you know what a Fehu is, a Gebo, whatever. Um, you know, I think there's something there, but don't expect, I mean, truly, I, I think this is pretty universal, and I, I feel like many people would give you this advice, is don't try to absorb all the essence of the runes in one go. It is a multiple month year-long process. I mean, I've been practicing now for, I think, a grand total of five years, but, you know, wisdom of Odin time, uh, just uh, just around two years. And, you know, the, I probably know six of the runes really well. Um, Ian, I think I showed you my study on Ingwas, right? Uh, the, our last gathering where, you know, I kind of like was yeah. studying like the convergence of two Othalas and then like the creation of life. So it's like also like Muspelheim and Niflheim coming together to create Ymir all in one rune. And it's like, that has taken me like eight months to write down. I have <laughs> one page of notes on Ingwas that I've, I put together and I think I really understand Ingwas, but it's taken me six months, if not longer than that, to actually understand that rune. Um, and obviously that's not going to be the same way for everybody but that's what i'm finding it's really like is that a lot of these runes do take a long time to fully understand um you know runes like degas if i see degas i've had a really good experience with degas i've had really good moments and i think i understand that rune but if i pull up like an awas shoot i still get a i still get the fact that there's an awas and an awas like there's two different ones like i don't get those runes um and i've tried to give like pools to people before like rune pools and then like i'll get awas and i'm like I don't know, dog, like, let me look it up in the book. And I look it up, I'm like, I guess it could mean this, but I feel like my answers are not true. But if I get like a Laogus, a Degas, and an Ingwas, I can tell you pretty certainly what those three runes mean together. And so, but that's taken me a long time to get to that point. So really don't rush into the runes, don't rush into Odin, but definitely the runes, I feel like, again, 
people come to the faith, they know a few things about it. And one of the things they know is the runes. They know Odin and the runes pretty early on. And yet those are some of the more advanced things. You know, Odin is a very hard deity to work with. That is a long natural life progression. Same thing with the runes. It's going to take you a long time to really, really sit those down. And I also feel like that's one of the things that burns people out really quick is that they try to learn all the runes. And then when they try and they get frustrated and they quit and then they quit the faith. So no, I just, just oh, go ahead there. sorry, I did not mean to interrupt you. I was Gentlemen, just thinking on this whole time. We've had a perfect run. I haven't had a write down one time that we messed up. And then y'all sit down and you, you talk over each other. I tell you, <laughs> go one of you, just go. I'm just playing. Uh, so where we're talking Odin and we're talking runes now. Okay. I don't, it's been a long time since we really talked Beast of Odin stuff. Okay. So I don't remember if I said it on the podcast before. I may have, and I may just be, you know, saying a thing that I've said Say it again. Yeah, but one of the things I did whenever I was preparing for that trance and going into that mindset um, was that I made a I made an ingots out of these branches, and I and it was a large one. I stood and I put myself inside of it, and I did not leave the ingots room until I felt like I had reached the point that I needed to be at, and yeah. So I don't, it just made me think of that. And I'm like, we're talking Odin and, and, and runes. So I'm like, you know, I don't know if any of y'all have actually have found anything with meditations and things like that and actually like incorporating the runes in that sort of way into your meditations and practices like I, like I did in that instance. And granted, I've not done that since, but I'm, I'm curious. Um, well, I got, uh, oh, we did it again. I tell you. <laughs> Uh, Ian, do you have something directly connection to what just Caleb said about the rune, or like meditation and runes? No, I was going to go back to kind of what you were saying um, earlier about just. Can you hold that thought? Or, Can you write it down? Because yes. you're forgetful. I know you. I know you. <laughs> so what I was going to say on the meditation again, again, apparently I, I realizing now how how influential this Norse Queen book is. Seriously, check it out. I mean, again, there's some fantasy elements that I'm definitely like woo about, you know, especially when it comes into Philokia. It gets Philokia really weird. Um, but as far as like a lot of the the practices, um, it definitely does Galder really well and really makes Galder make sense, which is the rune study where you say the runes. Um, and so you say things like Fehu, and you really let the like resonance come off your lips or Vegas, and you really let it roll and you let feel what that vibration does. And in a way that's a form of meditation and trance. Um, so like the reference, the, the way it uses it within the, um, the book is the women are making, I think like blankets or something like that. And they're, they're putting Fehu in. And so like the, you know, the Sather practitioner, the person that's teaching them um, is saying, you know, like just chant Fehu, 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 and they do it in a certain way. And like the main character talks about how it feels really meticulous at first, but then after saying it and making Fehu runes, all of a sudden it clicked and she understood it. And so I think that's a really powerful way to use the runes in a meditation. If you really want to focus on one is using that Galder and saying the rune instead. Okay, yeah. So the thing that I was gonna uh, kind of touch on was something that you said earlier, Jacob, with learning the runes. Um, and it was, you said, you know, if anything, if you're trying to learn the runes, at least learn enough of all of them to identify what that rune is. So that way, whenever you do have a situation pop up where a rune consistently pops up into your, in your head or in visions or physically, whether it's in tree branches or whatever, um, to be able to recognize it, 
But going to what on what you just said with the with the chanting is I've I know a few people that have actually memorized at least the names of the runes by doing that uh, in the same or similar way as Heilong does it in their song uh, in my John, because they essentially do that. And for a good portion of that song, like they repeat it, I believe, like all the runes, I think it's like four or five times in a one section of that song. And I know a few people that have memorized all the names of the runes because of that song. They just listen to it on repeat and, you know, they will hit that part and they will essentially chant along with them. And it helps, you know, just helps people learn the names, even though they, they do pronounce them in a different, in a different way. I mean, you get the point basically. So that's something so, that's interesting that you brought that up. Yeah. So one note I do want to bring for our listeners as well. Um, it's something that I've encountered uh, both in my research and this is my practice. And I'm sure everyone here has encountered it as well is you, when you find different names for the runes, like you'll find, like I find it all the time where it's like, they're called something different. I'm like, oh my gosh, am I been saying it wrong? This whole, I'm not even a pagan. Oh, what have I done? Uh, and truly like the way that reason that happens is because you have multiple different runes. I mean, you have the younger and the elder Futhark. So sometimes those get confused on the pronunciations. But then you also have like the different branches. Like you have like the long branch and the small branch and things like that of the younger and the elder Futhark. Um, and then those have different pronunciations. And then some guy, like, I don't think he was a good person. I think it was like Guido von Liszt or something like that created his version of the runes. And that's what a lot of people go off of sometimes. But again, I don't think he was a good person from what I understand. And a lot of bad people ended up using what his runes were. But regardless, like he created a different pronunciation. And then each of the regions, so Germany, Denmark, Finland, Sweden, Norway, and Iceland all have different pronunciations of the runes as well. So when you combine all that, it just bounces around boop, 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 all the time. But you know, ultimately what works for you, um, I don't know exactly what pronunciation I use, but I heard like Raytho, like some people say Raytho, 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 and stuff like that. Like I've heard it so many different ways, um, but you know, ultimately you're just going to find what works for you. All right, PSA is over on that as well. And your slight history lesson. Oh, Paker, you're doing the pin thing, but with incense? Like, is this a, like, is that like a Blackbeard thing? Like, didn't Blackbeard mm. do that? Like, were you like, did. he did that with, yeah, he did that with, uh, with the fuses for like, yeah, and cannons. yeah, he, he would put paper and then he would mask it in like oil and different stuff to make it flammable and smoky. Then he'd infuse it with his beard. And then whenever he'd go fight or like raid or something, he would light it on fire. It's just, it is the mugboard cod. I do love the smell of this. But yeah, I was just sitting like here. Like I'm the one with the longest beard right now. It looks like so I, might, I might as well do I Jacob's one thing. Now. I might as well do Jacob's thing and just assert my dominance. Can you light all those? Because honestly, I would love it. <laughs> I, might, I might die from breathing all that in right here <laughs> or you might ascend to a new plane of existence it is my word just, just. <laughs> um so uh the last topic i really wanted to bring into this odin conversation is the different aspects of odin outside of like the again there's so much to odin we could probably do it a second episode if we wanted to but um, one of the aspects um, outside of like the raven, the wolf, and the bear is, of course, the wanderer, the magician, the warrior, the leader, the general, the stuff like that. All that we see within the poetic edda. Um, now, there's obviously more in the prose edda, but I do just want to focus on the poetic edda uh, just because, you know, we don't have to worry about the as much about the Christian influences. Um, so to kind of bring up a topic, let's bring up Voluspa first, and then we can roll through different stories. Um, so Voluspa, you have more of like 
you know, you have a very interesting aspect of Odin. You have the Odin that is getting wisdom about the future from Osiris, um, who's telling him, you know, what will happen at Ragnarok. And so you get his gathering of wisdom, but also the madness, because this is something that leads to him going kind of crazy trying to prevent Ragnarok. Um, so yeah, just, you know, does that spark anything in your guys' minds? I mean, initially, like that seems to me that comes as a combination of both the magician um, and a little bit of the, you know, the crazed, not necessarily the crazed wanderer, but just like the the crazed, the chaos and the the madness version of him. And then also in an aspect, it is almost like uh, it kind of covers the general side of him because he not only is he getting information you know, about the future, but he's going to potentially use that information for planning, you know, his next steps. It's kind of like a combination of a few different aspects of Odin in one story right there. Yeah, well, to me, when it comes to the Volispa, and like, you're talking about Odin, whenever he receives that knowledge about the future, I think that influenced him a lot to become a more of a wanderer to gain better knowledge. And the, the fact that all the knowledge that he gained to try to prevent his own undoing is what drove him mad. That no matter how much knowledge he found, no matter where he went to whatever giant home, to wherever he went in the nine realms, no knowledge could help him change his own future. And that in the end drove him insane. And that's kind of how I view the ball spun like out in that tale. So here's an interesting thought I've been having, because uh, again, I've been doing a lot more research into like the prose that as well. Um, so getting like the timeline of everything, because it seems like at some point during the stories of the Norse gods and like the timeline is Odin becomes a shut-in. He stops wandering and he just stays in Asgard really just waiting for the day. Um, because I found an early story and Ian, I was telling you about this when we were playing video games the other night, but it, it's a very early story of Odin and Loki. And it's a story of how Odin and Loki and Hymir go down to Midgard together to map it out. Basically, they, they made it and now they're mapping it out. And I'm like, this is really interesting. Um, and it's towards the end of the prose edit. Um, and like Loki kills like an otter and the otter ends up being this guy's son in disguise and like this farmer imprisons Odin, Loki, and Hymir literally imprisons them and threatens to kill them um, unless they give him enough gold because his son was in disguise. And so they like skin his son otter skin and they're like, you have to fill this with gold. Otherwise we're going to kill you. <laughs> and so like Loki has to go betray, like get money from this dwarf and ends up being like this weird story of like the one ring. That's a different story for a different day. But the thing I find is interesting is that um, Odin feels very vulnerable in this story. He feels very new to the world that he's helped make. Um, and the fact that a farmer captured him and there's almost an innocence to Odin that you don't see in other stories. Um, and then you have stories of him traveling to hell or I guess he travels to hell pretty pretty, pretty later on. But I feel like the, the idea of him sitting at Valhalla is like you know an older part of Odin. Um, you know, sitting as the, the leader. He's not as, you know, youthful in his, like, uh, journeys across the world. I don't know, maybe it's a crazy idea, but I feel like there's definitely a progression of innocence to warrior, to general, to leader, to his death. It's the grizzled, like, veteran kind of aspect of, yeah, he's, he's very, you know, wide-eyed, bushy-tailed, new, you know, exploring of Midgard in this world that he and, you know, his brothers created. Um, and then, you know, he's, he's got to learn everything that comes with that and what comes with Midgard. And obviously, yeah, as he experiences more things with knowledge comes experience. And eventually sometimes that experience or those experiences can, can weigh on you or add to a certain level of, of just of wisdom 
you know, and yeah, eventually when there is really nothing more that he can do or learn, he kind of, yeah, like what more is there except for to take a back seat and to be more of the, the, the general, the tactician, you know, and planning the moves instead of making the moves himself. Yeah, I mean, from what you're saying, it's just like us in our human lives. You start off and you're a kid, you know, you're your backyard. That's usually where your most people go play whenever you're a kid. And then it, in your mind, it's like this wilderness. And then you get older and you know, oh, I know my backyard. So you go and you're a teenager and you go throughout your small town. If you live in a small town or wherever blocks of your life, it, it just progresses from there. Same way with Odin and all the other gods, you know, they, had to go and learn and experience things for the first time. I'm to, yeah, uh, I'm gonna have to get me a prose out because I've never heard of the story that you were just uh, referring. I don't to. think anyone's really heard of the story. It's like scholar. It's like in Skardskopa Mall. It's like towards the end of Skardskopa Mall. Hmm. Um, and like I would found it in my Loki research. It's bizarre. Um, like I was losing my mind telling Ian. I was like, I, I, this is one of my favorite stories now. Yeah, I'm like I've, I have no idea. Like the only thing I know of of a young Odin is, you know, him and his brothers killing Ymir, and uh, whenever they, you know, created Midgard from his body, and you know the whole thing with Ask and Imla. But that's like it. Uh, and it, the the thing I was going to add on to it, other than the fact that I need to get a prose and read that story now, is the uh, <laughs> the fact you know. At, Odin at one time was it was a young man and they all like as we stated earlier in the episode the only thing that keeps the gods from aging because they are immortal just like we are is uh Eden's apples you know those golden apples and where he's doing his wanderings around he's away from Asgard in those apples for a long time so that's why he's aged whereas some of the other gods have not I don't know if any of the other gods have aged like Odin have they or are they stated to I don't I can I can't think of anything that says that's that they actually have. Yeah, that's a really good point. Like, I never really thought of that because, as far as from what I've always, you know, imagined or the 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 appearances that I have for the the gods, you you are right. Odin is the only one that, to me, comes as an old man or like the, you know an older individual. Whereas the majority of the gods are very much young and and you know they like they're youthful in every aspect and. I never really thought of that, but that would make sense if he is wandering for years and years at a time away from the apples. Then, theoretically, that he would age at a, yeah. at a different rate. Well, and else. you know, you bring yeah. up a great point. And I feel like you know, a lot of people passes around that Odin would most likely have depression if you put something like that on Odin. I don't know how I am about putting human aspects. Same thing with like gods having sex. Like I just don't know. If, I feel like that's a very human thing that we put on the gods. But like, if you really think about it in that kind of way, it's like Odin being depressed about his own death, knowing that he's going to die eventually. Why would he keep eating the apples? You know, it's like, I mean, I'm going to die. Like, what does it matter? I was going to say that the only really stories we have about the other gods being old is whenever Idun is captured in Loki's trickery. Uh, and, you know, all the other gods in Asgard then begin showing their ages, including Thor and everything. The only one who's really useful and spry still is Loki. The only other god that I actually imagine as being older in any way is, which I don't have a great relationship with Tyr, but Tyr, I've always imagined him as an older man. Not not as old as Odin, but he's the only other one that comes across to me as like an older, you know, older in his life. 
Nord. I always picture oh. Nord kind of being like a grandfather. Well, we do have to remember that picturing a god in a certain way and then what we know from general aspects, I think, is completely different. That's you know, true. You know, I might see, you know, Freyr as an old man, but I think the general consensus is that he's a relatively youthful person, you know, kind of thing. Okay. You know, the only, you know, it is an interesting thought, you know, is it only the Aesir and the Vanir gods that live in Asgard that eat the apples? Because then, like, it seems like maybe the Jotun aren't eternal. Maybe the Jotun are more, you know, they age and die kind of thing. Um, and I, I think maybe we see that a little bit in the stories. Like, you know, it's, I don't know. Like, I may, it seems like the Jotuns, maybe that's what the Jotuns want from Asgard is the apples to keep, stay alive, but obviously they keep it locked up. And so that's why there's conflict between the Jotun and the Aesir. <laughs> that's all of our minds. Yeah, we're, like, we're, fi we're figuring it all out here, boys. I mean, honestly, like, I, I feel like we've hit some really good points there. And I'm like, oh, holy shit. Like, <laughs> um, but gentlemen, we actually do need to end this. We just crossed the hour mark. Um, this has been a really great conversation. Um, you know, I think it's because we've, we've had a backlog of thoughts. Um, but gentlemen, is there any last moments you want to bring up for Odin before we end this episode? I'd say be prepared and expect what you're not expecting because it's not going to be what you plan on, you know, experiencing with him. I feel like that's, I think that's something that a lot of people have problems with that they expect a certain mindset or a certain way that they are going to interact with Odin and then turns out to be something completely different. I mean, that's how I've experienced it. I feel like anybody who you know Jacob and, and Baker I feel like you guys can attest to that I feel like it's a very different experience than what we initially planned or what we initially thought it was going to be oh completely um the only thing I have really to say that I've not said so far in the episode is just you know if you're going to work with Odin just be be prepared to wander be prepared to journey and you know accept and know that sometimes the roads are going to be long and weary and you just have to be prepared for that. But by the by the end of it, you will learn so much and went through so much. It's you know you you'll be a different person by the end of it. And in every case that I've ever had, I've always come out a better person on the, on the other side, no matter how low I ended up being on that journey. So I think if I have any last minute advice, uh, you know, coming from a guy who just came off of a vacation. Um, is don't be afraid to take a break, especially with any of the gods, any times of this faith, is don't let yourself burn out. Don't let yourself, you know, uh, become, uh, you know, too much friction between you and the knowledge you're trying to gain or you, you and Odin or you and the runes. Um, it, deities like Odin and the runes are, are very hard things to really grasp and master, and it's going to take you a lifetime to really fully understand it. And by the end of these, our lives, we probably will never fully understand it. But, um, you know, so don't be afraid. I mean, I don't think Odin's ever going to be disappointed in you for taking a step back. Now, maybe don't ignore a bunch of signs from him. You know, he might not stop giving you those signs, but, you know, he comes and goes. So why don't you come and go at the same time? You know, take the time for yourself. I mean, I operate a channel called The Wisdom of Odin. I don't feel like I've, I don't think I've talked to Odin in like, three or four months so that's okay um but let's go ahead and end this episode so thank you so much for joining us i hope you've enjoyed this conversation um i think we've had a really good conversation i'm actually really happy about this one so um yeah they're already like mocking me and about to say it so yeah you know, if you want to be on the folk pod class please email us at the folk podcast at gmail.com if you want to hear us talk about certain topics or if you'd like to be on the show eventually we'll get to the fact uh point to the fact where we actually have guests so please email us there we are looking at that um it's just been crazy with me um you know moving here to germany that's one of the reasons we haven't had a guest in a while is just 
just because, uh, you know, by the time I get done filming the episodes and packing and all this stuff and planning all this travel, I was like, uh, let's just record an episode. So uh, we will be getting more guests on the show soon. But thank you once again for joining us. And until the hall, Skull. Hall. Oh. 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 Oh.